and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the auction community studios on this Tuesday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke show. We have, let's see, what do we have here on this Tuesday morning, Wolf? We have no more undefeated NFL teams. We have no more Zach Ertz. We have no more Eno Benjamin. Um, yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. how we're starting. Yeah, when is Chris Paul getting back as well? When is Chris Paul coming back at some point sooner. in time? They play I, Golden know. State tomorrow, maybe. Um, okay, yeah, maybe there's a possibility right there. It's kind of a blue Tuesday. It yeah. is a little bit That's right now. now that you mention it. Now a bit of a downer right now. You're watching a team that you you love and a team that you respect, of course, and they collapse in the last eight minutes of the game. Had a 13-point lead. Looked like, okay, here we go. The fourth quarter. We own the fourth quarter, said the Phoenix Suns, right? Look, everybody, it's the Miami Heat. Um, something wicked this way came last night, and they collapsed in the last eight minutes. Yeah, you know, look, it's a loss. It's a loss to a good team. It was a it was a well played game up to that point. They are, and I think I'm just going to feel this way until something changes. I think they are a really good basketball team. You know my thoughts on them at the start of the season. But I think what what's not going to change until they make a change is it feels like an incomplete roster right now. Cam Johnson's not out for a week. He's out for a month to two months. Chris Paul, I know, is day to day, but he's been day to day for a week now. You know, and, and partially it is that's the right way to handle it because it's mid-November but partially I hope this is not the team we see going into the playoffs you know what I mean even if Chris Paul and Cam Johnson were back they're still missing something they're still I'm watching Max Struess score all over them last night I'm watching Jay Crowder not play they're still missing something yeah no I'm with you on that one right there and I do believe a lot of what Chris Paul brings to the floor it's not just the tangible out on the floor I talk about it all the time I know that but as a former professional athlete for me I can tell you Luke it matters so much the impact that your teammates will actually have on you and when I say the impact I'm not talking about going out and feeding you the ball I'm talking about the intangibles the leadership that comes along with it in the all is well mentality that comes along with a Chris Paul being on the floor especially in crunch time and I think last night it was on display for all to see just how much they miss him in that situation. Yeah, and to be fair, Max Struess didn't really do anything against the Suns last night. He only had five points. It was just the symbolism of seeing him out there playing after he put up 31 the other night and that being a name that has been linked to the Suns wanting somebody in return for Jay Crowder, somebody they're not going to get for Jay Crowder, but just the simple fact that they have a big part of their team last year and the year before that's voluntarily not playing or they're voluntarily not playing him and you know Miami's a good team it's 7 and 7 right now big deal like the, the way yeah. they, this has gotten weird in the NBA this season if you start to look around and and I don't think we totally notice it cuz Booker just plays every night a lot of the even more so than usual, the big guys are just not playing for teams. They're just, well, I can't play back to back. Well, I got to sit these the, all three games this week. I, I just can't play at all. Like so many. If you just start looking at just look at a random NBA game tonight and be like, oh, okay, here's here's the four best players in this game. Yeah. Three of them are sitting because they play tomorrow. Like, so 
My point to that is Miami seven and seven. You really can't look at the record. Yeah. The Suns are now eight and five. I don't, I, you can't really look at the records. You have to. It has to be the eye test of which teams are actually good. Because if fifty percent of the league isn't really trying as hard as they can to win the games, the records are kind of <laughs> skewed. Yeah, exactly. So you're saying the big men in the NBA right now they're kind of like Mancini and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Sure. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Oh, I'm so Nobody tired. Nobody plays. I'm so tired. You know what? Honestly, yeah, it's just. Kind Kind of a weird situation right here. Um, you know, I, I will say this. Uh, what really bothered me about last night's game was watching the Miami Heat apply their culture. Watching the Miami Heat crank up the defense in the fourth quarter when they were down 13 points. They locked it down. Watching the Miami Heat basically be the Phoenix Suns really annoyed me. Yeah, <laughs> that annoyed that's irritating. Me. That, that bothered me in a big, big way. That and the fact, of course, the free throw disparity well, was just ridiculous. So I am of the belief that most NBA fan bases think the league is out to get them. But I don't know how you justify a 25-4 to 4 free throw disparity. That If it's going to be that bad... It better be like, yeah, Devin Booker was chasing guys around the court with a baseball bat, and that's why the Suns had to give up 21 more free throw attempts than Miami. You're telling Miami didn't command any fouls? Come on. Seriously? Yeah. Like, that's the sort of game when like it's Jimmy that Butler bad. Like, Jimmy Butler didn't hack, did not hack Devin I'm Booker saying, like, on that shot? The Come Suns, on. Vince had the stat earlier, um, 29 players around the NBA last night. There were yeah, seven games. Right. 29 players shot more free throws than the Suns last night. So I'm not... I, I Generally, unless it's like the last play of a game, oh, yeah, right. don't point to a specific... Nope. Oh, he missed a call there, he missed a call there, unless, I guess unless it's egregious. And like I said, most fan bases think the league's out to get them. But I would like some sort of justification for one team shooting 25 three throws and the other team shooting four. Because either you're calling the game tight or you're not. Yeah. One or the other. If you're going to tell me, hey, Miami shot 10 and the Suns only shot four, okay. Or Miami shot 25 and the Suns shot 18, okay. 25 to four is two different games. Yeah. And you know, honestly, though, you start to get a reputation across a league, of course, in the National Football League, by way of example right now. Um, if you're an offensive line that has a couple of offensive linemen that they do a lot of holding, oh man, are you kidding me? That spreads throughout the referee, the the little clique known as the officials and the referees of the National Football League, and they all watch tape together. For the most part, they sit down, these crews, and they watch tape, and of course they talk to other referees and suddenly you're looking at it and a team is going to get a reputation for being a team that holds an awful lot. And suddenly you'll have the referee, you'll have the white hat, of course, and you'll you'll have the umpire start looking very, very closely, expecting somebody to hold. Yeah. So it it kind of perpetuates, right? It feeds itself. So do you think the, the same Suns reputation, have that reputation? No, the same reputation for the Phoenix Suns in not being a very physical team. That's what I think. And it starts with your big. It starts with your big man in DeAndre Ayton. How often do you see D.A. get to the line? Does he get to the line of enough? In your opinion, of course not. He does not. 
D.A. does not get to the line often. Well, nobody got to the line last night, but you're right. No, DA but, uh, but I'm just saying, I think the reputation is there that the Suns are are not a super physical team. To put it in perspective, Bam Adebayo attempted 14 free throws last night. Okay, so there's Miami's big. He gets to the free throw line. Now, he typically gets to the free throw line a lot more than D.A. He's, he's getting there about five times a game. And would you say year. he plays a physical game? Yeah, yeah. He does. He's a physical guy. You know, D.A. Um, was better last Last night, but he was outplayed by Bam, and there's no shame in that, I guess. No. But you know, it's it's funny. It's it's ironic. It's not funny. It's ironic that yesterday we were talking about this, and I'm like, okay, why is Da 40th in the NBA in rebounding? That's why is he taking a step back? He usually is good for 16 and 12, and last night he got exactly 16 and 12. So I guess I can't say anything today. Yeah, but, but he and he had eight offensive rebounds. But man, no, 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 no. Honestly, Luke, I, I get it. Like the third quarter, he did a good job of being in the right place for offensive rebounds. But if you watch DeAndre Ayton, and we all know this right now, if you watch D.A., he doesn't work to put himself into position. He does not. He gets outworked on a routine basis. He does. And this is, I am a D.A. fan. You know that. I really, this guy's talent is off the charts. He goes out there and he's he's a double-double machine and he's going to get 10, 12 rebounds just by being DeAndre. He hasn't been this year, though. That was only his third double-digit rebound game all year. Exactly right. But for the most part, in his career, I think we'd agree that this is what he has done. This year, you don't see it. Why? I thought this was the year he was going to show Monty Williams. I thought this was the year he was going to show James Jones, show the Phoenix Suns exactly what he is about. And so far, right now, have you seen it? Ask yourself that. Have you seen a marked difference in DeAndre Ayton? I had made peace with the notion that D.A. is who D.A. is coming into this season. That you may see flashes of what he was in the playoffs two years ago. Uh, you may maybe you overpay him slightly. Maybe they did. I mean that happens in the NBA. He's a good player that's being He's paid a like a player. great player. Yes, I, fine. I, I think I'm fine with that. It seems like, and this is weird to have this conversation today because last night's not the good example of it. But it seems like he's kind of taking a step back early on this year. That I'm not going to make peace with. You know what I mean? The fact that that guy had, that was only his third double-digit rebound game of the year, that even with that, he did move way up, but he's still 33rd in the NBA in rebounding. He's getting out-rebounded by Kyle it's Kuzma. outrageous is what it is. That's, that's the Just one. You, you can't compromise on that. It's outrageous. And the Suns are not a good rebounding team because of it. It's not just him, but that's like that's like saying, well, you know, the Chiefs aren't throwing the ball this year very well, and, and some of it's because of Patrick Mahomes. Except it's Patrick Mahomes, so they always throw the ball well. When we come back, Zach Ertz has suffered a season-ending knee injury, so um, is Trey McBride ready to step up? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf, now I'm just frustrated because I was looking at the list of 33 players in the NBA who are out-rebounding D.A. this season, and Luka is one of them. Luka's out-rebounding out D.A. by a rebound a game. Wait a minute. You, Luka Doncic? Yes, yes. Okay, Luka. Luka Doncic is out-rebounding D.A. By a full rebound a game. That's so, not happened before, obviously. Because D.A. is so routinely any, above 10. any other stat that D.A. might actually beat Luka in if, in fact, he's out-rebounding him? Uh, uh, I doubt it. That was supposed to be our stat. We were supposed to have rebounding lockdown okay. in that, that debate. He's taller. Yeah. 
Okay, well, yeah, that's not a stat, though. I mean, he's been to the finals and Luca hasn't. Yeah, <laughs> I guess okay. there's that. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, uh, over to uh, to football and the news was not good. When is it ever really for the Cardinals on the injury front? When uh, right after our show ended yesterday, this came out about Zach Ertz. Here's Ian Rappaport. Different situation for Zach Ertz, the standout tight end for the Arizona Cardinals, having a, as good a year as he's had maybe since 2019. Really a resurgent year. He is out for the season, sources say, with a knee injury. Did not look good when it happened. It sounds like Ertz was pretty despondent after the game. He knew how serious it was. A really, really significant loss for the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not... I, I want to be careful with how I say this. I'm not saying nobody cares as much as Zach Ertz, but when you look at this team right now, especially going into that game on Sunday, when your season's kind of up in the air, like, is there still... Are we still in this? And now you are still in it. you got to beat San Francisco. We'll get to that. But Zach Ertz is one of those guys that you knew still believed, right? You know J.J. Watt still believes. You see the stuff before the game. It's J.J. Watt. You just know in general. You know Buddha still believes. And maybe everybody still believes, but like Zach Ertz, you knew. And he had become a pretty good safety outlet for Kyler Murray this season. If you look at his numbers, they, he's, he's putting up catches every week. This is a huge blow. This is no. This is this is a huge deal for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, obviously, we're all hoping somehow, some way, the light goes on in the shed for the Arizona Cardinals offense. And I don't know how Zach Ertz and losing Zach Ertz for the season helps that light bulb go on. I, I do not. Zach Ertz leads the team in receiving touchdowns, leads the, se- the team in receptions, and is now out for the uh, year. Second on the team in receiving touchdowns and receptions is Hollywood Brown, who hasn't played in weeks. And I don't know when he's coming back. So just add this to the, the growing list already with the four starting offensive linemen and three other guys on the offensive line depth chart missing games or on IR or questionable. It's, it is unbelievable. You, you hate for injuries to be a story of your season. I'm not saying they're the story of this Cardinal season, but it's so relentless that it has to be a story of this season. Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, this is the thing personally, based on Ian's, I, I this this really hurts. Because Zach Ertz um, is one of those special guys inside that locker room. He's always so positive. He's so positive with all the other guys on that team. He's so well regarded, so well respected inside that locker room. And now all of a sudden, his influence is not going to be what it is and what it has been. It's not going to be the same. And, yeah, it's great. You're still going to have him walking around the facility. He's still going to be there smiling and encouraging his teammates, of course. He's still going to be doing that. But once again, the impact of leadership can only happen when you're actually out there playing. And now that is even taken away from Zach Ertz. So this is what your, your passing game should look like, right? Okay, Hopkins should be your number one option. You should have Hollywood Brown over the top. You should have Rondale Moore. You should have Zach Ertz. Now, you should have other pieces, but those those are the four that are supposed to make this team special. Not a lot of teams have a DeAndre Hopkins caliber player. There's a couple, but not a lot. Uh, Hollywood Brown is supposed to unlock Hopkins even more and also be free down the field. Rondale Moore, and we'll get to him in a second because he has seemingly turned a corner here the last few weeks, gives you another option. And then Zach Ertz is supposed to be the kind of do-everything tight end. If you just look at that, that lineup on paper, those three receivers and that tight end, not even accounting for the depth they were supposed to have at the start of the year, that is why we thought this was going to be a really good offense this season. And those four guys will not have played together ever this season. 
ever. Not even the top three. Not even Hopkins, Hollywood, and Zach Gertz will never yeah. have played a game together this season. Yeah. You know, I, I go back to the offseason, and I think of Zach Ertz and the fact he was out there every day. He was out there working with Buddy Morris every day. You heard about it, the the work that Zach Ertz put in in the offseason. Um, you had Cliff Kingsbury talking about the fact he's never been in this good of shape in his life. And Zach Ertz would have been the first one to tell you that as well, that Zach was in the best shape of his football career. That was that was coming from Zach, and Cliff Kingsbury was passing that along to us. It's 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 so bad to see this happen to Zach Ertz right now, and to know that he had forty seven receptions on this season for over four hundred yards, four touchdowns. We all know about the impact that he had in a tangible way on the field, and now all of a sudden. Everything else is gone as well. It's not just the X's and O's, but now all of a sudden it's the leadership around those X's and O's. Now, the only good news in the passing game, I don't want to say silver lining because they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. You can have Rondale Moore and Zach Ertz. You should be able to have them both. <laughs> like Most teams get to keep some of their players. But the only good news in the passing game right now is Rondale Moore, the last three weeks, does seem to be turning a corner. Here's Cliff Kingsbury when he was on with us yesterday. Yeah, he is. And, and that's just being able to be out there. You know, His career so far, and even his last couple years of college, there was just some injuries that, that kept him out of rhythm and watching him detail it up and he reminds me of Christian Kirk with his details and how he works and his blocking and just whatever you ask him to do he's going to try and do it at a high level and then his, his run after catch stuff is as good as anybody in the league and we just got to keep finding ways to get him the ball. Rondell Moore's last three games, Wolf, starting with the Minnesota game, okay? Seven catches, 92 yards and a touchdown. Eight catches, 69 yards. Nine catches, 94 yards. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's 24 catches and 200, over 250 yards and a score in there. He wasn't doing anything near that. Prior to that this season, or even last season, there was hope, but now you're actually seeing it start to happen, and I would assume you're going to have to lean on him even more, or is Trey McBride ready to be Zach Ertz? Man, you know. He's not. There's not a lot of Zach Ertz's out there. He's No, he's not. And again, how do you change your offense now? If Zach Ertz is not your starting tight end, how do you change his offense um, do I see a lot of 12 personnel? Yeah, there's a possibility. There's a there's a possibility you're going to have Trey McBride be the Y, be the stud tight end in Steven Anderson. Now all of a sudden he'll be the move. Um, Max Williams, is there any hope that Max Williams might actually come off the IR and be activated? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is. It's Is it 10 personnel? I can tell you right now, that's not the answer. They don't even have enough receivers for 10 personnel. <laughs> well, I'm sure they could find some. <laughs> they could find some guys, um, yeah. At some point, it's, I mean, this is devastating. This is truly devastating. You, you, you know, you beat the Rams, and you think to yourself, oh, man, okay, maybe lightning can strike. You're four and six right now. Maybe you just got to go down to Mexico City and beat the 49ers. And it's not like the 49ers don't have question marks. You know, they've had question marks in four games where they actually lost those four games. It just, to me, um, now this is, it just seems at some point in time, these injuries are mounting to a point where 
What do you do? Where, where all the stuff that we've been debating for the last 10 weeks about, you know, who's to blame for the offense? Does Cliff need to be better here? Does Kyler need to be better? Where at a certain point, if you have so many injuries, that stuff is almost secondary. This is, I'm just looking at their depth chart right now to make sure I don't forget anybody, okay? Yeah. Here are the guys that are hurt or on IR. And I'm just looking at the Cardinals offense. I'm not even going to mess with the defense because we only have a four-hour show. Okay? Here's the guys on IR. Daryl Williams, Antoine Wesley, Jonathan Ward, Hollywood Brown, Joshua Miles, Rodney Hudson, Will Hernandez, Justin Pugh. Here's the guy. Zach Ertz is going to be there. The guys that we already know are out. Zach Ertz. The guys that are questionable. Max Garcia, DJ Humphreys, Kyler Murray. Yeah. That's pretty much your entire starting lineup except like three guys. Yeah. And then their replacements, too. There are other teams in the NFL that are hurt. I would be interested to see who comes even close to the Cardinals in in regards to injuries to key players. I know Baltimore is up there. There's a couple other teams, but man... It's getting ridiculous. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back another crazy week around the NFL, culminating with the final undefeated team losing last night. We're going to take you through the biggest storylines next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke middays. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf, let me give you the list of undefeated teams remaining in the NFL as we head towards week 11, okay? I know you've been waiting for this for a long time. We all have. There are no teams left. Oh, I see. Yes. Why is that, Luke? That's because they've all lost at least a game. Wow! <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles apparently slid the shorts on and pulled them up real tight, metaphorically speaking. That was a, that was an odd game last night, and you expect that, a divisional game. Washington, the Commanders, 5-5, and five, last place in that division, and they're at 500. I have told you this before. I can't say Commanders now without he- hearing you scream, Commanders! No, and not like time. that. The Commanders! No, I'm sorry. I'm going to work on it. Uh, they won last night, 32-21 to 21 over the Philadelphia Eagles. Here's Taylor Heineke, who was there for the win. Oh, it's huge. Um, you know, again, we were on a good good run there for a little bit, and then I feel like we kind of let one go last week that we could have won. And uh, the, the bounce back and 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 go against an undefeated Philly team at home, at their place, um, they're undefeated, you know, Monday Night Football. And for us to kind of battle like that and get a win like this is huge for us. Gonna have, you know, we have a lot of confidence here going on. Here's the only stat you needed to know, Basinonians, about this game. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles had turned the ball over three times in eight games. Ron Wolfley reporting. They turned it over three times last night. That'll do it. Think about that for a minute. That's- three turnovers in eight games. That's it. You want to know why the Philadelphia Eagles were 8 No, That's it. <laughs> three turnovers in eight games. Oh, my goodness. That blew me away. I did not know that. I didn't know that until they that said that. Yeah. They said that, man, last night on the broadcast, and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. No wonder why there ain't no. They turned it over three times last night and lost by 11. So I have two thoughts coming out of this game now. One, the smaller one. 
It's not that I think Taylor Heineke is amazing, but he is 3-1 and one this season, and the one loss is by three points to Minnesota, who has one loss all season. And I just feel like I don't watch a ton of Commanders football. Like commanders. I'm not dialed in on the Commanders. You love them. But it feels like every time I watch a game where Heineke's the quarterback, they either win it or they're close. Didn't he almost take out Brady two years ago in the playoffs, too? And yet Washington yeah. consistently insists on finding somebody else to be quarterback. And it's not like they bring in anybody good. So it's interesting to see what they do there. But the bigger thing for me, Wolf, and, and I, I don't think this will be the case, but I'm interested now. Philadelphia, very similar to the Cardinals last year, off to a great start, running a similar offense. I would say they adjust pretty well. Nick Sirianni's a pretty good coach. They've yeah. added pieces to it. So sure. I'm not saying it's going to be the same. But now they've lost a game. And you just put out that stat where they'd only turned the ball over three times all season. You can't keep that up all season. Are they going to start to trail off now? Here's the other thing that you've got to take note of because it was the thing that I saw when the Arizona Cardinals played the Eagles in week four. Was that week four? Week four? the season? Uh, okay, anyways, they played him earlier in the there, season. Yeah. Um, can I week just five. How okay. dare you be off there? There you go, week. right there. You know what? Honestly, um, the only weakness of the Philadelphia Eagles was their rush defense. In particular, when you ran the ball in a north-south way on them. Well, guess what? The Washington oh, Commanders did last night. They ran the ball, and they ran the ball very, very well in between the tackles. 152 yards rushing from the Washington Commanders. And now Philadelphia, for as easy as their schedule has been the last three weeks, where Houston, Pittsburgh, and a bye. Uh, now they got to face Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts. Undefeated Jeff Saturday's Indianapolis Colts. Boy, you know what, honestly? Um, Jeff Saturday, I'm never going to change my opinion on Jeff Saturday. I love Jeff Saturday, especially uh, the analyst that he is. Um, really respect the player that he was at the same point. Um, unless he's just trying to get Jim Mersey and the Colts out of this season, I was disappointed when I heard him say, you know what, I'm going to pursue being a head coach in the National Football League because somebody gave me the opportunity to do that when he really hasn't um, been a coach in the National Football League for any period of time whatsoever, or college for that matter. That disappointed me. Having said that, it just reminds me as well how important leadership is. Well, here's who else is disappointed because the Colts beat the Raiders. The Raiders lose again. The Raiders are a mess. A playoff team from a year ago that adds Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. And Chandler Jones is not having a good year. 12 tackles and a half of sack. This is Derek Carr after the game on Sunday. I, you know, I don't think so. Um, I love I love Josh. I love the car. I love our coaches. Um, they've had nothing but success, you know. Way more success than I've ever had, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Derek, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Continue. To finish that, sorry for being emotional. I'm just pissed off about some of the things, you know, that a lot of us try and do just to practice what we put our bodies through just to sleep at night. And for that to be the result of all that effort, this is me off. This is a lot of guys off. It's hard knowing what some guys are doing. Like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body just to sleep at night. Like just so we can be there for each other. 
And I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place. And as a leader, that pisses me off, if I'm being honest. Say something there. Wow. Um... He's talking about himself, obviously, right? Uh, is he alluding to calling out certain players? Putting or? in? No, the effort he's putting in and the fact he can't. Is that it? Derek Carr can't sleep at night? Or he has to take stuff to sleep? I mean, is that what he's. Uh, I, I'm, it, it sounded like a combination of he, we're putting this guy's in emotional. We're putting in so much effort, you guys don't see, and it's not resulting in wins. But at the end, it kind of seemed like I wish everybody was doing it. So it almost sounds like there's a few guys that aren't putting in the effort. I don't know. I just know the Raiders, who were a decent team last year and added Devonte Adams and Chandler Jones, would be picking second if the NFL draft was tomorrow. They're a half game up on Houston. Otherwise, they'd be picking first. Here's the one thing about it right now. Um, I know it's ridiculous to say this, but when you're talking about your team, for the most part, there is no crying in front of the cameras in football. There isn't. I said the same thing about Dan Campbell. I'm you sorry. Did. You've, you've you been know, consistent. Now, listen. Now, if it's a personal story, if it's a personal story, yeah. I understand that. Are you kidding me? Football. I get emotional talking about the game of football. I do. But when you're up there representing your team and the effort, of course, that you're putting into every game, that's just expected. There is no other way, right, Derek? There is no other way to play the game than giving everything that you've got unless he's talking about his own personal experience and the fact he's not sleeping. Can you imagine the expectations? It's a little bit different because Vegas has only had a team for a couple years, but just among the Raider fan base that follow, a lot of them follow them to Vegas or you know still follow them. We talk about how frustrated Cardinals fans have been here, okay? Imagine being Vegas and you, you were in the playoffs and you added Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams and you have two wins. And this team last season overcame so much and Derek Carr was a big reason for it. And it's weird that last season they were still able to make the playoffs and then this year they're just falling apart. Uh, all right, we come back. Back to the Cardinals. According to reports, Cardinals made a surprise roster move yesterday by cutting Ito Benjamin and there's still kind of some vagaries as to why. We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Okay, so two Cardinal stories broke the second we got off the air yesterday, Wolf, and we've talked about one. We've talked about the the bigger impact on the team, probably, obviously, no Zach Ertz. The bigger story might be the weirdness surrounding the fact that Eno Benjamin's just not on the Cardinals anymore. And it's this is not the start of the year when they had five running backs and had to get rid of one and got it down to four. They kept all five at the start of the year. They get rid of Eno. They have two running backs on the active roster right now. You have James Conner and you have Keontae Ingram. Yeah. So... I would assume this says on some level what what we suspected for a while. They really like Keontae Ingram. Um, But there's got to be more to it because, call me crazy, but everybody on the Cardinals gets hurt this year. Now you have no depth at running back. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, Basin Onions, you know somebody at work who is really, really talented, wherever you may be, somebody that is really talented, um, somebody that produces, yet for whatever 
whatever reason. Um, maybe they have a personal conflict with management, wherever you may be. And I'm not saying this is what it is. It just seems that way to me. There, there doesn't seem to be any other answer that might be out there based on what we have seen from Eno Benjamin. Can Eno Benjamin play in the National Football League? There's no doubt Eno Benjamin can play in the National Football League. So you typically don't cut guys like Eno Benjamin midseason unless there's something else that is going on. I don't know what it is. I really don't. And I could be dead wrong on this, my brothers. Yet to me, it's just like anything else in life. No matter how talented you may be, sometimes you get in the way of yourself. And I'm wondering if that happened with Eno. I don't know that to be the case. It just sure looks that way. It's it's strange, whatever it is. We got that news as we were walking out of the, the Cardinals facility in Tempe yesterday. And I was just like, that's one of the few things. Well, if you know this, doing this job for a while, there's not a whole lot that shocks you, right? Any Anything like, usually it's like, oh, okay, I kind of saw that coming. Even if it's a really surprising story. I didn't see Eno getting cut yesterday. No, 100% no way. didn't see that. Chris Trapasso of CBS tweeted this out as people were trying to figure out what was going on. Eno Benjamin's averaged 3.39 yards after contact per rush just behind Aaron Jones in the NFL. He's forced 16 missed tackles forced on 69 attempts. That missed tackle forced rate of 23.1% is better than Brees Hall's was before he got hurt. <laughs> Eno Benjamin was playing good football. Once again, Eno Benjamin can play in the National Football League. Um, typically as a team, you do not get better cutting guys that can play in the National Football League. Cutting them loose. So there's got to be a reason as to why that is happening, especially when you have what? Two active guys on the roster right now? Yeah, now the you running have back James Conner, who's well, already been hurt this year, yes. and Keontae Ingram, who is a rookie. Exactly. So, once again, um, have I seen guys uh, have some type of rift with a coaching staff? Yes, I have. I have seen it. I've experienced it myself, ladies and gentlemen. I have. So um, it happens from time to time, and there's nobody really at fault. A lot of times, it's just your personality, your character, and it clashes with the personality or character of maybe your running back coach, or maybe it's your offensive coordinator, or maybe it's your head coach, or maybe it's the general manager, or maybe it's yes to all of it. <laughs> it it just happens. I've seen it happen with my own eyes. And this, I don't know the particulars, but it sure smells that way. Well, let's try and piece this together. There was, there was quite a few reports yesterday that it was over playing time. And Eno was not getting the ball, especially on Sunday. In fact, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about this yesterday before the Eno news came out. And they just asked him, hey, what, you know, not very much Eno on, on Sunday. We talked about James getting the full share, if you will. I mean, he'd been banged up, had the ribs, and it was basically one of those deals where he, it was time to give him the starting running back reps, and I thought he played at a high level and got better as the game went on, allowed him to get in a rhythm, and you know did what we needed him to do. So let's go down this path for a second, Wolf. If it's a playing time thing, if Eno was like, hey, what, get me the ball. Like I was playing well when you needed me, and, and now you're not giving me the ball at all. Um, that's not the best path to go down probably for Eno, I would assume he's going to end up on another team. He should. Like you just said, he can play in this league and he's especially proving that this year. Man, you were on a team where you were second in line on a team 
injuries happen to every team, and they yeah. just keep happening to this team. Yeah. So I, I can't imagine he's going to suddenly go land in a better spot where he would be closer to starting. So I, I just I can't believe that's the whole thing where Eno was just like, I want to play more. And they're like, well, then get out of here. There's got to be more to it than that. I'm sure it's part of it. Yeah. But there's got to be more to it than that. There's got to. I, I'm, I'm sorry. You want guys that want to play more. I, yeah. Yeah. What, but what do you do when you're not playing? Well, okay. That's what I'm saying. What you do you go. do? What did you say? Who did you confront? Um, how how bad did it get when you confronted somebody? Yeah, listen, it's like anything else. You're at work wherever you may be, Basinonians. You confront somebody, and you've got an issue, and you confront it, and you do it in a you do it in the wrong way while you're confronting them, and you confront the wrong person, you're fired. Okay, it, does it happen? Yes, it happens. Does it happen in the game of football? Of course. The other thing, and you brought this up, and, and not knowing, you know, who knows what the story is here, but uh, there was a lot of talk about, you know, when they were talking up, you know, in camp this year, it came up and we had Kelvin Beecham. We had a couple of the offensive linemen. They're like, it's great to see, you know, succeeding because he was in Cliff's doghouse for a while, right? Or he was in the doghouse. Yeah, right. Uh, we asked Eno about that when he when we talked to him in training camp. He's like, yeah, I don't know what that's about, but I'm glad I'm not there anymore. I remember him saying that to us. Uh, then there was Eno on Big Red Rage. With this is last month. You guys asked him if he was in Cliff's doghouse the last couple of years. I, I, I couldn't even tell you the exact definition of what a doghouse is, um, <laughs> but I would just say um, I wasn't where I needed to be. Um, as far as everything as far as my game the way I, I took to prep like to prepare for teams and stuff like that um, and then this year was just coming in with a new focus just like it's new year new opportunity um, and I, I really felt confident in what was going on and um, just that confident uh, confidence took off to a different level but you had to earn his trust right uh, definitely and I, like I said I think that it started with the confidence I'm um, in knowing what I had to do um, inside outside of my playbook and stuff like that um, and then also I felt very comfortable on this offseason I spent a lot of time with Kyler um, and um, just uh, I felt like being able to have his trust uh, went a long way. So I would just say this, Wolf. When I heard all that stuff in camp and when we talked to Eno and some of the players, this was just my assumption. I always assumed it was in the past Eno wasn't – he was making too many mental mistakes or yeah. he wasn't a good enough blocker in pass protection to stay on the field. Right. That That's what I just always assumed. He just said it right there. I had to earn their trust. So I can see how if you feel like you finally earned their trust and you're not getting to play, how that would frustrate you, and it should. But like you said, it's it's how do you handle it. And even that's confusing to me because Eno Benjamin's been in the Valley playing football for over a half decade now, and we've never heard of him – blowing up on anybody or yeah. you know, getting in trouble or anything. Right. So this doesn't add up. No, it doesn't. But again, um, the, the one thing I feel pretty certain about is this was not a performance we're going to cut you I, because I of your that. performance. Yeah, I don't, based on audience, I don't know that to be the fact. I don't. But to me, it sure feels that way. Um, that it's not that. It's not a situation where they're looking at it. Because I, we can all watch, you know, Benjamin play. It's, it's not only the fact that he was really, really good at running the ball and he ran the ball with some desperation that I love to see. But he could also catch the ball coming out of the backfield. And not only that, how much better did he get in blitz pickup? Picking up blitzing linebackers or people coming out of the secondary. Um, he could hold up and tried to hold up and did a good job doing it. So for me, this was not a performance issue. It, it couldn't have been, especially when you have two other backs 
that are on the active roster. Yeah, who was the block against on the Saints in that Thursday night game where he was out in front of the runner and just obliterated the dude? Uh, on the, uh, I mean, he was... If that was the area he was struggling in, he clearly had gotten better, or else he wouldn't have even been on the field this year again. So I'm 100% with you. It's not based on performance. And when you're losing guys left and right to injury anyway, it's tough to lose a guy for whatever reason this is. Yeah, here's their depth chart at running back. You have James Conner. You have Keontae Ingram. Yeah. That's your depth chart at running back. Yeah, thank you. That's it. <laughs> if somebody told me just kind of lost it, if somebody told me lost it on the sideline um, of, of this last game, uh, you know what? Honestly, that would make an awful lot of sense. It would. Because right now, when you're struggling the way the Arizona Cardinals are struggling, you need people to step in line and pull together and try to figure out how you're going to crawl out of being in this hole. Got to all be pulling in the same direction. If that happened, we'll probably see it tomorrow night on Hard Knocks, don't you think? I mean, they got a bunch of cameras Boy, on the sidelines is, watching Yeah, everything. that's a real possibility. Well played by you. Uh, we come back. What do the Phoenix Suns need most right now? We're going to ask the co-host of Keyshawn, Jay Will and Max on ESPN. Jay Williams joins us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.